Welcome to the podcast of Dr. Jeff R. Steele. Dr. Steele is the senior pastor of Redeeming Grace Church of Coleman, Alabama. He's a conference speaker, owner of the Christian music group The Steels, and an award-winning singer and songwriter. Now, here's Dr. Steele. In our text this morning, we find some of the most comforting words in all the Bible. We find some of the most comforting words in all of human speech. It doesn't matter what country you come from, what nationality you belong to, what ethnicity you might be. These are some of the most comforting words amongst those spoken by humans. They're found there in verse 51. The Bible says, and the wind ceased. And the wind ceased. We generally, those of us that are people of of faith in the Christian world, we tend to find our favorite and most comforting verses of Scripture amongst those that promise us we'll never be alone. Hebrews 13 and verse 5 says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. A lot of y'all probably have that on a magnet on the front of your refrigerator at home. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 20, the last words Jesus spoke in the gospel of Matthew, he said, I will be with you always, even to the end of the world. And then in John's gospel, chapter 14, Jesus had just told a group of his disciples that he was fixing to leave. They were concerned about that and they were asking him all kinds of questions about what are we going to do now? You're going to leave us. We've been following you and you're going to leave. What are we going to do? And Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come unto you. I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to send another comforter, the Holy Spirit, and that's going to be me too, and you'll recognize me when I get there. Oh, how we love the comforting words that let us know we're never alone. The disciples are in a storm. The time leading up to a storm, it's always very humid. The air is very heavy and thick and it's uncomfortable. And then the storm hits and the crisis comes and the lightning flashes and the thunder rolls and the wind blows and we hate that. And then all of a sudden the storm is over and now the storm, which in our part of the country is usually always associated with a squall line that precedes a cold or a cool front. Now the air, when the last clap of thunder has been heard and the last wind has blown the last leaf off the last tree, there is a crispness to the air. There's a coolness to the air. There's a clarity to everything. And the birds start chirping and the crickets start making their sounds and the bullfrogs start doing what they do. And what are they chirping and what are they singing as birds? They're singing and the wind ceased. Another way to say and the wind ceased is to say and the storm concluded. It's a great time when the wind ceases, when the storm is over. Jesus got into the boat with the disciples and he immediately saw the cessation of the storm. It was over. Please get the picture. The disciples 
are now sailing after a hard day of ministry work with Jesus. They're sailing a boat across the Sea of Galilee and everything is peaceful and tranquil. No problems. And then they experience, don't they, a sudden storm. This wasn't the kind you could look ahead five miles and see it coming and maybe divert your boat to another way of going. No, this was a sudden storm. Very quickly, the storm came up, a sudden storm. You know what? The worst storms in our lives are those sudden storms, aren't they? You're laying in the bed. It's the middle of the night. You're fast asleep when all of a sudden you hear the vibration of your phone next to your head and you pick the phone up and you turn on the text that the buzz was signifying that you now had and there's news you did not expect to hear because it's three o'clock in the morning and all of a sudden you go from a peaceful, restful sleep into a sudden storm. Maybe... It's the strong knock on your door at a time you didn't expect to hear it. And the news the person on the other side brings you creates a sudden storm in your life that you weren't expecting. Maybe it's the call back from the doctor who ushers you into his office and you can tell by the grim look on his face and the ashen color of his skin that the words you're about to hear are not what you wanted to hear. And indeed, your doctor shares with you words that force you into a sudden storm. These disciples, all of the sudden, were in a storm and the wind was blowing and they could hardly face up against it. In fact, probably they already know they're going to die unless something happens. And I'll mention this only because it's relevant in this hour. In this past week, we have lost to our world's population two celebrity figures to suicide. Maybe something you don't know today. We talk about it when it happens to celebrities, but other than that, we don't talk about it very much at all. Are you aware that in the United States of America, not the world, but in the, U the U.S., I'm not saying they don't do this other places. I'm just saying these figures are for the United States only. Did you know 123 people on average take their own life every day in America? Do the simple math and you'll find out quickly that means 861 people a week die at their own hands. Do the simple math and you'll discover that means almost 15 people shy of 45,000 people a year die from suicide in America. And every one of those people Every one of those folks who took their lives by their own hands threw their families into a sudden storm, threw their friends into a sudden storm, threw their coworkers into a sudden 
storm. And by the way, this is free. You don't have to pay for this. And if you get mad at me for saying it because it's political, we'll just have to be at odds because I don't personally think this is a partisan issue, but it is a problem in the United States of America. Of the 123 people in America who take their life by their own hands every day, 22 of them are veterans. And hey, some of them are killing themselves because they cannot make the transformation from combat back to the civilian world. And I want to say this, and I want you to hear me. One of the greatest blights on the United States of America today is the lack of care that our veterans receive when they signed up to fight for this nation. I don't care how long ago it was or if it was last week. We made a covenant with them. We made a promise to them that we were going to take care of their health care for the rest of their natural lives. And we are doing a pitiful job taking care of our veterans. Our veterans' hospitals are horrible. All of our veterans' medical care and services are horrible. And it ought to be a shame on every citizen of this country, every politician of this country and we ought to do better by our veterans if we're going to ask them to fight for us and defend our country so that we can gather in places just like this today the least we can do is keep our word to our veterans they deserve better than what we're doing for them today a sudden storm 45,000 people a year now when we hear about a celebrity committing suicide for a couple of days now we'll be forced to deal with as a nation what 40 5,000 families a year are forced to deal with in our country. And please don't sit there and please don't come to me after this is over and say, I'll tell you one thing. I would never do anything like that. You don't really know what you'd do if in a low enough valley and attacked by an ugly enough adversary. One of the first people I met in Coleman, Alabama had a husband who was a pastor in this very county who had killed himself, taking his own life. And it happens amongst pastors and Sunday school teachers and deacons all the time. Several people over the last couple of days have said to me, if I had all the money they had, I'd never commit suicide. That just proves to me you don't know how dark the valley, you don't know how strong the voice of the adversary was when they lost that battle. Folks, if you did, you'd know there's not enough money in all the banks to buy hope when a person is hopeless and when they're being encouraged to do the unthinkable by the adversary. We don't understand mental illness. We don't know what loneliness is all about. We don't know what a feeling of hopelessness is all about. The best we can do is to say, we don't know, but I'm gonna encourage you today in this moment, make that call, ask the question, do the good because you never know that you might not be the last best hope that somebody in trouble might have that day. 45,000 people plunge their families and friends into a sudden storm. Well, as the story goes, Jesus appeared to these disciples who were fighting with all their might, bailing water, doing everything they know to do to get the ship from storm to safety, and they're failing. And Jesus saw them failing. So they look up and there comes somebody walking on the water. Isn't that just what you need when you're in the middle of a horrible midnight for somebody to come in some unexpected way? 
Here are these disciples bailing and rowing and rowing and bailing, and now they see somebody walking on the water. They were just working hard and failing. Now they're working hard and failing and scared to death. How scared were they? Well, the Bible says they thought, they didn't think it was Jesus. They thought it was a ghost. Why didn't they think it was Jesus? They've never seen him walking on the water before. They, they've seen him heal the sick. They've seen him raise the dead. They've heard him teach great truths from the word of God, but they've never seen him walking on the water. They've seen him split five loaves and two fish and feed 25,000 people, but they've never seen him walking on the water. And now he's walking on the water and they don't recognize him because he is walking in a different way than they've ever seen him walk. Have you ever seen that happen in your life? When God would come to your rescue in a way you've never seen him before, he would do something for you that you've never seen him do that before. I have. I remember the first time I was ever in the hospital. I mean, I was in my 50s, about 52, 53 years old. Never been to the hospital. Never been sick enough to go. And now I'm having major surgery on a Friday afternoon. I've been in the hospital all week. The worst pain I've ever been in in my life, I experienced that week while they tried to find out what was wrong with me. Now it was time to go to surgery. I gathered there with my family and a few folks that had come by from the church. We were pastoring at the time. And finally they took me on a stretcher through the doors that said, no admittance. Went past those doors and I laid there in the holding area where you go before surgery. I'm going to make a confession to you now. You can take it or leave it. Get mad at me or think less of them if you want to. I was laying flat on my back in that holding area and I was all alone by myself. And I felt something on either side of my head. When suddenly it reached my mouth and I realized those things running down the side of my head were my own salty tears. I could taste them. I was so scared and I'd had so much that week. I was laying there all alone and I was crying. I wasn't heaving, sobbing, but I was weeping. Now this really happened. I don't care if you believe me or not. I know it did. I'm laying there and tears are flowing down the sides of my head when all of the sudden four nurses appeared around my bed. They approached my bed, two on one side, two on the other, and they began to pray for me. They prayed for my comfort, they prayed for my healing, and they prayed for my peace. I can report to you today, all three of the answers came. All three did. Immediately, I felt the comfort that I needed. Immediately, the peace came. And I believe, though it lasted maybe three or four more weeks where I couldn't hardly walk, my healing came in that moment. When those nurses, out of nowhere, just begin to pray for me. You say, well, that's probably just the nurses that were there to care for you. Folks, I've been visiting people in the hospital for 40 years. I've never seen four show up at the same time in that place, the holding area for surgery. I've not only never seen four show up at the same place, they got a nurse shortage, by the way, Letitia. You can speak to us about that. They wouldn't designate four to go in there for no reason. And what are the odds that all four would show up and know how to pray?
What are the odds that all four of them would show up and know what to pray for? You know what that was? That was God showing up in a way I had never seen him show up before. Two years after that, I was visiting somebody in the hospital. Things are all back on track now. And a nurse walks up to me and she says, pardon me, are you Dr. Jeff Steele? And I gave her the standard answer I give everybody. Well, that depends. Do you work for the Internal Revenue Service? I, I'd like to know. She said, no. She said, two years ago, you were a patient in this hospital. I said, yes, ma'am, I remember that. She said, and I was back in the surgery holding area with you, and we prayed for you, and I just wanted to know how you were doing. I reached out and took her hand, and I said, lady, I've told the story all over the country. I said, I thought you were an angel. And I really did. I was glad to find out she was an angel with actual skin. They prayed for me. God showed up in a way I'd never seen him before. These disciples are fighting the storm when they see somebody walking on the sea and they did not recognize him because he was walking in a manner they never had seen. And they talked to him and he talked to them and he let the cat out of the bag. He said, don't be afraid, it's me. But they didn't recognize him so it didn't calm them a bit. But the Bible says, he went unto them into the ship and the wind ceased. Boy, it gets mighty quiet in here sometimes at unusual times when you say something like, he went unto them into the ship and the wind ceased. I don't seem like I'm being heard. He went unto them in the ship and the wind ceased. Two minutes ago, they're about to die. Two minutes ago, they're in distress. Two minutes ago, they're fearing for their lives. Now he's in the ship and the wind ceased. But listen to me. You'd be amazed how many people can speak and it brings no comfort. Why? Because they don't have any power to back up what they just said. None. Jesus said, be of good cheer, it is I, when he was walking on the water, but they didn't recognize him, and it brought no peace. The Bible didn't even say the storm stopped until he went into the ship. He spoke, and it gave them no peace because they didn't know who it was. They thought it was a ghost. But when he got into the ship, they recognized him, and all of a sudden they knew, oh, oh my. That what he said out yonder, be of good cheer, it is I. This one talking now. That one talking there now that we recognize him. He got the power to make this happen. Hey, listen to me. Jesus was dying on the cross of Calvary, stretched out his arms in both directions and with blood all over his body and bruised and mangled in every way possible. Jesus Christ said from the place of execution, it is finished. Do you know how many other criminals had been on that same kind of cross and said those same words? It is finished. Many had. But this time, 
when he said, it's finished, the veil of the temple that represented the separation of a holy God and an unholy man, it was pulled in half, destroyed from the top to the bottom, indicating that God did it and not man. When Jesus said it is finished, something happened and the veil was torn in two and the last piece of the bridge between an unholy man and a holy God was completed. And you and I are able now to have access to God 24 hours a day, seven days a week, because when he said it, it made a big difference. Doesn't always mean anything when people say something. Mary and Martha were sitting at home. They had a brother that was sick and they watched him die. They had sent for some help from Jesus. He didn't get there in time and Lazarus died. You know, a lot of people could have come to their house. The preacher could have come and put his arm around them and said, he's in a better place now. Why, you know, he was such a good man. He helped so many people. He did so many wonderful things. He could have said all, all those preachers could have said all those wonderful things and it would not have comforted Mary and Martha very much because they're speaking words they don't have the power to do anything about. But when Jesus arrived, he said, show me the grave. And they took him down to where Lazarus had been buried. And Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. Now you could have said it and I could have said it and some other preacher could have said it and it wouldn't have meant a thing because they don't have the power and didn't have the power to make it happen. But when Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth, the Bible says they rolled the stone away and Lazarus in his grave clothes came walking out of the grave. It makes a difference who says it. And it makes a difference when the one that says it can actually do something about it. Jesus said, don't be afraid. It's me, but they didn't know it was him. But when he got into the ship, you know what happened. The wind ceased. I wonder what sudden storm you got going on in your life today. It happens, doesn't it? Get to the end of our rope, borrow money that a sudden storm of a job loss came along and made it unable for us to pay the bill we signed our name on the note for. Maybe you're the one that saw the grim-faced, ashen-colored doctor tell you, ain't nothing else I can do. There's no more I can do for you. Maybe you heard that. Maybe it was something else. I don't know what the storm is in your life, but I know this. When Jesus got on the ship with these disciples, the Bible says, and the wind ceased. I can't make them cease. You can't make them cease. We can toil all night. We can bail till our arms are falling off. But the only thing that's ever going to make the wind cease blowing in your life is when Jesus gets on the boat in your sudden storm. Every head bowed, please, and every eye closed. If you'd like to contact Dr. Steele, you can go to his website at jeffrsteele.com. If you'd be interested in Dr. Steele coming to speak or having the Steele's minister at your next event, there's a booking inquiry form there. You may also call the office at 256-590-2068.